are listening to Masks Off with host and life coach Kim Gross. My goal is to help people to go from people pleasing and perfectionism to powerful. I help you to uncover these patterns, own your shit, and remove these masks to live a more empowered life using my five step power pathway that takes you from people pleaser and perfectionist to powerful. Let's drop into this week's episode. Welcome to another episode of Masks Off. I'm Kim Gross, and today my guest is Carrie Cluen Lawrence. And I'm excited to have you here. Thank you so much. We were supposed to record a while ago, and life got in the way, and we're now doing this today. So it's all ha- meant to happen when it's supposed to happen, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Oh, thanks for being here. Um, And as always, I start with a quote and the quote is by Carrie. And the quote is, we have the key to unlock our origin stories. Take a look around your life and you will find the evidence of who you really are. That's good. That's good. Oh my gosh. So first of all, like, tell us who you are. Tell us what that quote means to you. Just introduce yourself. Oh my God, that is such a good quote. I can't wait till we like dive into that. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, So that quote, first of all, I'm a stage director um, and I have been on a journey uh, as a stage director for a long time. I'll, I'll kind of get into that origin story in, in a little bit. We can backtrack. But for now, I would just jump into that quote, which is, I have learned that we hold the key. We have the evidence of who we really are. And, and so as I've been on this process of discovery and my husband's just retired from the military and we're figuring out where we want to live forever, the forever home question and what jobs we might want to do moving forward and how the world has changed in the last couple of years. So much advice out there is like, you know, looking outside of yourself and that somebody else has the key, somebody else holds the answer, the magic to your happiness. And through the process of being a stage director, helping people tell their story, I also teach a storytelling class, personal discovery storytelling, and I coach people in branding. I've developed this perspective that you already have it, you already know. And so maybe if we can clear out some of the outside voices, stop looking outwards and look inwards and to our experiences and our beautiful detours that we can find some keys and clues that we think somebody else has for us, right? That's beautiful. And of course, that so aligns with everything that I talk about on masks off because I'm all about remove your masks and be your most authentic self. Like remove the mask of people pleasing, perfectionist, rescuer, peacemaker, whatever the mask is, yeah, is covering who you truly are. Absolutely. It's a protective measure, yes, 
it protected us at one point right. to wear those masks for sure. However, it is keeping us from living our best life. And not only that, but let's say, for example, the people pleaser, if I'm wearing the people pleaser mask, it means I'm looking outward for some type of external validation for right. you to say, oh my God, Kim, you're like so freaking like agreeable and amazing. And you just get along so well. And, oh, you know, just incredible the way you just say like, yes, to everything, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it's like me looking to the outside for the world to tell me that I'm okay on the inside. And I think you're saying something very similar. Right. So it's that question of how did you become a people pleaser and what does that mean? Right. Um, for me, it was going to college to a college that didn't have a theater program, even though I had been doing that in high school. Um, I discovered a play that I wrote when I was 10 years old called Little Red Riding Hood says no to smoking. You know, I was like a social justice theater activist, you know, since teeny tiny. <laughs> and I went to a school that didn't have a theater program. Why? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, the, the school decided that theater and performing arts wasn't important and you couldn't make a career in it. So they weren't going to offer a major or a minor. Um, my parents were very much like, you're going to get a real job if we're going to spend this money. Right. So I was being conditioned and told and a type of people pleasing, if you will, of yes, I will be independent. You know, my parents were separated, then they got divorced. And my mother was very much like, you will be an independent person. You will support yourself. You will get a good job. And that meant nine to five traditional, something that they could understand. Right. And so by the time I graduated from college, talk about a mask. I studied public relations. I was working for a chemical corporation that, that produces titanium dioxide, which is the white pigment and paint. I mean, could you get any more like not creative, right? It's like the antithesis. And I had, I wouldn't call, I, I was just very unhappy. I was very, very unhappy, very conflicted. Um, I had almost, I felt like a split personality of wanting to do one thing and feeling like the whole world was communicating to me that that wasn't possible, practical or um, something that I should be going towards. Yeah. I can only imagine that. Did you feel like you were like suffocating and dying on the inside? Well, so what I did was I joined, not only did I join all of the theatrical extracurricular clubs that were available. Um, but I also started at the, some of them when I was at school too. So I was kind of a, a drill maker and I had a work study job they, they did have a theater, but everything was kind of extracurricular. You know, that was like a hobby. It wasn't a profession. So I got a job as the assistant to the theater manager, and I ended up skipping class to go paint sets because I was happy there. And I felt like it was some kind of release, you know, some creative um, outlet for myself. So, yeah, it was it was a real struggle. That's amazing that you found that first of all, to help, help offset what you were, you know, feeling, let's talk about like, oh my God, like that's what happens all the time in society, right? That we're just this prescription of what 
we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to think. And that's taking away from our true expression of ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, as I'm a mother now, and I think, you know, when we first connected, we, we talked about that a little bit and just thinking about how I can help my girls, um, three of them avoid some of these, because I think that there's extra pressure on women, um, in particular, you know, that, that we're the ones who are going to, you know, expected to sacrifice your career or be the, the, you know, the flexible, um, and not necessarily be the, um, the financial support in the family and these kinds of things, you know, we're still dealing with all of that. So how can I help them to, well, first of all, I think of it like this, the world that I grew up in or was educated in the, my college years, for example, could they have predicted that I would be directing theater productions virtually on Zoom? right? Could they have predicted that I would be teaching, you know, classes with people from all around the United States? Uh, no, these, the, the world um, as we know it today was not the world that our parents were trying to give us their good, solid, helpful advice for, right? So, you know, I look back and I can say that was really bad advice. Well, it was the best advice for the time and they were very well-meaning. There was no malice in that advice, but it doesn't serve me, nor did it serve me at the time that I was going through college and then grad school. So it's a really big question of mine, like how do we encourage people who are making decisions about colleges and future careers to follow their passions and their instincts and their intuition instead of experts who we should, we feel like we should be able to trust that they know what they're talking about. But in five years, we don't know what the world's going to look like, right? So how do we, how do we combine these, what's offered as a college course or a major with what the future holds for these young people who could be entrepreneurs and create something brand new, you know, should we stifle that and say, no, here's your five options. Or should we say, I, you know, yeah. <laughs> I totally understand what you're saying. And I'm going to be hundred percent honest and I'm going to take off my mask. And I'm going to say, because I have um, a 20 year old that's in college right now. And we did talk about this before and she is completely picking her own major. I said absolutely nothing to her in the sense of where she should go to college. She knew she wanted to go to Boston. She wanted to be in a city. Um, so she picked out her college. She picked out her major. And a part of me, a part of me is feeling like what kind of what your mom was saying in the sense that like, Oh, you got to pick something that's go going to produce, you know, security for you. That's going to give you an income. That's going to be a good paying job because what I don't trust her. I didn't trust myself to just follow my intuition or for her to follow her intuition, because who knows if that will put food on the table. You know what I mean? So it's like my mom worry. I, I mean, I, when I was, um, college student myself, I didn't think this way. I was just following the path, but as a mom, it's like, oh my goodness, you know, I can feel that, but I hear what you're saying as well is that we don't want to stifle 
her ability to follow her intuition, to trust her gut, because who does, who knows in five years, that's such a great point. And again, I can agree with you. I could not have predicted that I would be doing a podcast. If you asked me that five years ago, if you asked me when I was in college and I was, you know, learning to become a teacher, I could not have seen this for myself. Right. Okay. So you're bringing up a really interesting point and this is part of the work that I do, right? Because you're talking about the fact that you were a teacher. So I'm just going to guess that you went to school to, to become a teacher. Um, and now you're educating people, right? So you're using those skills. So you've evolved, right? So this is my, this is my way of thinking about taking off the mask is like, keeping, you know, dropping that, but like keeping the good and leaving the bad behind or like leaving the not even bad, but like what is not useful, what's not helpful. So it's not helpful for me to really dwell on, oh, what a waste of time and money. And oh, I'm not working in um, public relations, but actually just doing this podcast is a type of public relations, right? You know, there's so many parts of my life that I have taken what was valuable in those experiences and moved forward with those, which has created this super unique journey, Um, which brings me back to that, you know, first quote, which is you have a unique set of circumstances. I like to say I am uniquely qualified, right? Uniquely qualified to be on this journey, to be in this place, to have the jobs that I have, to have the family that I have. There is no comparison. Um, And so, you know, when we, when we brought up that, that topic of um, imposter syndrome, which happens so often when you're talking about taking off masks, you cannot be an imposter if you are being yourself. It's only when we're trying to be something else, or we, when we think that there is a right way to do things that we can be thinking about being an imposter, because if we think that somebody else has the you know, 10 steps to future success. And I'm not on any of those 10 because my life has been more complicated. I didn't take a traditional educational route. I didn't, um, you know, moving around the world with my military husband has been extremely not traditional. So if I'm measuring myself against other people, I'm going to feel extremely insecure about my goals and you know, calling myself a coach and, you know, giving people branding perspective and all of that. But if I think about how unique I am and the experiences that I have that contribute to that particular unique combination, then there's no comparison. And the only way I think that you can really be secure in that is if you go back and look for those very particular experiences. I don't think it's enough. I'm I'm a positivity person, you know, optimist, but I don't, that kind of general positive thinking doesn't work for me. I'm like a scientist, right? So I need to think about that degree that I earned or that directing experience that I had, or that feedback that I got from a client that said something that really lifted me up and, um, validated my moving forward. Like I, I really get specific as far as those, those moments of my particular life. So that when I'm in those situations where I'm feeling uncomfortable or not as confident, I can think, Oh, but wait, I have all of this evidence. Right. So I love that you said that. And then I guess I would also ask or bring in, do you feel like 
part of that uniqueness that you're talking about is inherent in us when we come into the world. Like it's, so for example, we said, I said that I was a teacher and I feel like my soul came into this lifetime to, to teach, to educate. And when I was like a little girl, seven years old, eight years old, I played teacher all the time. Now I know lots of little girls played teacher, but I mean, like I played teacher, you know what yeah. I mean? That's all I wanted to do was be a teacher. And then, you know, then I went to school and I don't think even at first I felt like I was going to be a teacher. I went to school for English. Actually, I first, oh my God, here's a great example of like, here's, here's a great example of like going, steering away from what I was meant to do is that some point in time in high school, I decided I was going to become a doctor, a doctor. I didn't play doctor when I was a little girl. I hardly ever played doctor. <laughs> and trust me when I tell you, I couldn't stand the sight of blood. Like oh. if someone got hurt on the playground, they were bleeding. I would almost pass out. <laughs> so, but yet in high school, because I decided I was going to go to college to become a doctor because doctors made a lot of money. Yeah. And it's not, some seed got planted in my head to become a doctor. It's kind of like your mom was saying to you, Carrie, you should go to school to be this and that, and don't go into theater. Cause you're not going to make any money doing that. It's not sustainable. You need something solid. You need something. Right. Solid. So I'm like, I'm going to be a doctor. And I started college. My first year I had to take an anatomy class. We had to dissect a cat again, almost passed out from the smell of formaldehyde and seeing the cat. I was like, what the freak am I doing in here? Yeah. Then I had to take biology and chemistry, which I ne nearly failed both of those. So I was clearly not wired. My brain was not wired that way for that. So I became an English major, whatever. And then, all right, what do I do with an English degree? I decided to teach, but here's the thing. And then I taught for like five years and then I got pregnant with my son who's 23. So 23 years, I have been out of the workforce. When he was born, I never went back to my traditional teaching job. However, I have an autoimmune disease and I ran a support group when I was first diagnosed. What was I doing? I was educating. I was running a support group. I was telling about this, teaching about that, teaching about this. You know, and, and then the podcast started that three years ago. What am I doing on the podcast? I'm teaching, I'm educating. So that's what I mean by like, I feel like it's in my DNA to teach and educate. So that was my like long winded question to you <laughs> because you said, and I do believe what you're saying as well is to be able to look back and see that evidence Yeah, to show that like, yeah. But I also feel like it's a part of me inherently. Would you feel that way as well or no? Yeah. Well, so first of all, I have to tell you that when I started college, I was a, um, a biology major. I wanted to be a marine biologist. So, you know, we're, we're on the same page with that, which is just, you know, really interesting to think about because I don't think about that very much. Didn't last long. Yeah. Um, but no, you're talking about building a case, right? So like hindsight being 2020 and being able to look back in our in our journey. And um, so with this with this book, um, Origin Story, yes, um, that I've been working on and is almost ready to be published. Um, 
I help people walk back through to kind of figure out when the spark happened. And I believe from my experience that it does happen very long or very young, sorry. And that, so when you are young, your options are limited due to your exposure. So sure, you didn't know that you would be a podcaster in the future, right? Because your your options were limited. I didn't know I was going to be a director, even though I was exhibiting signs and characteristics of what would eventually become that job because children are not asked to direct. I mean, you might move, you might like direct your friends and your cousins around in their little, um, you know, holiday pageant uh, yes. show whatever. Right. So I was definitely exhibiting those, but I didn't know what a director was. I couldn't say I want to be a director when I grow up. I didn't, I didn't have that vocabulary. So I think absolutely there are things that we are interested in, excited by, um, you know, a match of our personality, but also what are we exposed to? What are our resources? What are our, um, experiences? Like, I didn't have a lot of formal training in theater when I was younger. It was very much my own self-led <laughs> experiments in, you know, writing a play or um or you know, playing with my friends or something like that. But as I moved forward, I started to get more and more involved. So there was a teenage group that I was involved in in high school and you know, some of those memories fade away. I had a conversation very similarly with um, with a friend the other day who I kind of walked back through. She's a photographer now. And I was like, okay, well, in elementary school or high school, were you on yearbook? Did you, was it creative writing? Were You were a storyteller. You know, were you into the arts classes, right? And she started to build this case and it became so clear and she was so excited. <laughs> and there's me about even I could just tell you you know I can see you so yeah <laughs> so I have the yes. advantage that uh, uh, um, your audience doesn't but the way that you lit up when you were telling me some of these memories and story core memories right that um accessing those I feel like confirms things that we've known or maybe been conflicted about and unsure about. And when we kind of reconnect with those core memories and those sparks, it can do something really wonderful for your confidence and your goal setting, I think, for, for the future. I agree. I totally agree. So I love that you started to talk about what the origin story is. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about your book since you sure. were talking about that? Yeah, absolutely. So as a result of all of the storytelling I've done for, for many, many years and just seeing how people light up and make these connections and, and it can be a really powerful tool for achieving future goals, I decided that I was going to write a book about it. And um, it's really been, an, you know, it started out as a lot of curiosity and a lot of, I was very, had a lot of ideas and theories but then I held probably about 35 interviews with people and started asking them questions and developed these exercises and materials to help people create their own story and reconnect with these ideas, you know, whether it's something that turns into a hobby or then they're like entrepreneurial minded and want to reconnect with um, 
some kind of interest that they have, whether they want to use it for social media content mm-hmm. or um, marketing, because, you know, everything is about storytelling anymore when it comes to to marketing and branding. But like, how do you get to that content? You know, you have to get to know yourself. Yeah. And what you said before about things having changed, we don't often take the time to think, okay, but who I am, who am I now? You know, as a mother, a partner, um, you know, having lived the life that I do now, having all of these other responsibilities and these other types of what I call personalized measures of success and kind of trying to balance everything, you know, Tetris style. Yes. <laughs> and then, and then turning that into a way that I can articulate how I started, mm-hmm. what I'm thinking today and where I want to take that for, for the future and, and helping other people to do that. Because I think there's a lot of dis- self-discovery in that process. Yeah. I love that you're saying that. Um, and I think, so I just recently was working on creating a signature talk. So is that like another area in which you would help people to discover their origin story? So that like, cause that, that's what I talk about. I talk about back when I was 10 and I was yeah. on the playground and I had this, you know, feeling of being unstoppable. And then I talked about what happened when I was 11, how I lost that feeling of being unstoppable. And that's how the masks were born and blah, blah, blah. blah. So is that like an example of what you mean by origin story? 100%, you know, for, there's a whole genre of this kind of um, storytelling, if you will, that you'll see in TED talks, keynote speakers, Mm -hmm. you know, whether or not you use all of the elements of that personal story or whether you weave in some kind of business um, or, or, you know, coaching or that kind of thing. It's all in that same world. And in the book, I walk people through the elements of basic story structure. So, you know, yourself, the main character, the obstacles that you face, the rising tension, those inner voices, the moment of change and transformation, and then the the resolution or kind of whatever comes um, in the future. And then there's a bunch of exercises to help you dig into those elements a little bit further if you need some inspiration or some different ways of thinking about each of those elements. That sounds fantastic. So when is your, you said it's almost published. When is it supposed yeah. to be available? We all want to know. I believe, <laughs> yeah. I believe June is the, is the final uh, time period that they have told me that I will have my books in hand and they will be available on Amazon and all of the, the normal book selling uh, locations. That is so exciting. So exciting. I can't wait for that to come out. So I always end with five rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. What is your favorite food? Oh boy. I would have to say Spanish food now after having lived in Madrid. (laughs) Hmm. Okay. So maybe, maybe not. If you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go? Oh, definitely Spain. Absolutely. 100%. Maybe Hawaii, but it's kind of busy over there. So Spain. (laughs) Spain. Okay, great. What's your favorite way to take care of yourself? Mm. Uh, Exercise and eating well, Mm. which I'm not always great at, but every day, every day I make the attempt. (laughs) Awesome. Name one book that changed your life. Oh, wow. 
Okay. I have to one. say it's kind of a, it's, it's kind of a um, strange one, but it's a uh, Prozac nation. I'm aging myself. Read that okay. in college. I have never heard of that before. Okay. It's a, it's yeah, it's a personal uh, account of one woman's struggle with mental health and, and kind of all of the stuff that I, we've been talking about here today. Awesome. Okay. Thanks for suggesting that one. And then finally, do you have one tip or one takeaway for the listeners? I think that it would be another quote that I'm kind of using these days, which is you can't predict the future. You can only prepare. Yeah, that's good. Because you really can't. Obviously, we just talked about that throughout this whole episode. Yeah. You have absolutely no idea where your life is headed. Good, bad, or indifferent. Yep. Um, okay. And then finally, how can the listeners find you? I am on all of the typical, you know, social media outlets at Carrie Cluin. That's C-A-R-R-I-E-K-L-E-W-I-N. And uh, hopefully launching a, a Cluin creative website pretty soon with the book and uh, some more coaching options. <laughs> Awesome. That's fantastic. And of course, I will have all of your contact information in the show notes. And thank you so much for coming on and having this conversation with me. Absolutely. Thank it you was, for having me. You're welcome. It was really important to have it. And anytime that we can, in any way, shape, or form, talk about taking off masks and being more of who we truly are. And, and I think that's what we did here today is helping the world to shift and change. Definitely. Sure. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you everybody for being here for another episode of masks off. I'm Kim gross and I will see you next time. If you enjoyed this podcast, and you want to take the next step to overcoming your people-pleasing and perfectionistic tendencies, reach out to me at kimgrosscoaching.com for a free discovery call. Also, if you liked what you heard today, I would love it if you subscribed or left a review. And remember, remove your masks and create the life that you desire.